Episode number three. Here we are, the builders and the tools. It's AJ Barkley, the beard of wisdom, Dan, the somewhat social engineer. Hey, how's it going? And we got a special guest today, current chair of VICA, James Clapp. First, we want to uh, just recognize uh, Young Builders Network and Vancouver Island Construction Association. Uh, super excited that they have given us opportunity to have this podcast and support it. So thanks. Hats off to Vika. We'd like to thank our sponsors. Wilson & Beck is a locally owned specialty construction insurance and bonding broker in Victoria, British Columbia. Their team has an extensive experience and dedication to the construction industry on Vancouver Island. Call them today to chat further about your bonding and insurance needs. Wilson & Beck, Victoria, we care, we help. Blue Ava Labor Leasing is the only full-service staffing agency on Vancouver Island to specialize in the placement and development of elite skilled tradespeople. They're building a high-caliber, permanent workforce for temporary or long-term placements. They offer apprentices through ticketed tradespeople in carpentry. Blue Anvil provides custom staffing solutions to supplement your current workforce when you need them for as long as you need them so that you can concentrate on what you do best, quality building. Herald Engineering is a well-diversified island-based consulting company with offices in Nanaimo, Victoria, and Ucluelet. We are involved in a wide variety of civil, structural, marine, bridge, and building enclosure projects throughout BC, with the majority of our work on Vancouver Island. If you'd like to know more about Herald Engineering and how we can help you with your next project, big or small, check us out at heraldengineering.com. That's H-E-R-O-L-D engineering.com. James Clapp, Managing Director of Wilson and Back Insurance Services here in Victoria, current chair of the VICA board, YBN, Young Builders Network, used to be known as U40, alumni, and an absolute fitness guru. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm great. It's tough to fit all that in my business card. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. So I said that you're the current chair. That's who you're serving right now as the current chair of VICA. Uh, how's the past year been for Vika, and how's the experience serving as chair? Um, well, it's obviously been a strange year to be chair. Um, but basically, my term is bookend will be bookended by a pandemic. Uh, surprisingly, Vika, well, not surprisingly, but Vika is doing incredible. Um, it's uh, pretty pretty amazing how well they've they've adapted to the, um, the conditions of the pandemic. Um, as chair, it's been a little different. Obviously, not, no, no in-person events. We still had a regular meetings, but they've been done through Zoom. So it's actually you know quite a bit more efficient in terms of time. But um, yeah, in terms of Vicka's operations, Roy and his team have done an incredible job. It's it's has been quite an easy uh, easy term just because there hasn't been a lot of issues. They've uh, it's, it's running itself quite well. Um, thanks to um, numerous people, they have new programs that are you know, helping with funding and the, the financial strength of the organization. Education is um, thriving uh, with the um, virtual setting. Um, the you know, the um, Construct Your Future program is, is going full, full guns and now expanding to Nanaimo. Uh, oh, that's great. We have another initiative with uh, the harm reduction um, opioid awareness campaign. So we're partnering quite well with the current government and uh, yeah, membership's quite strong. That's yeah. great. That's well, great to hear. What is the Construct Your Future program? It's a program where um, there's cohorts typically of eight or ten students um, and they bring in um, 
perspective construction laborers and basically it's, I think it's a eight to 12 week program where they train them and, and, and get them to be employment ready. Nice. So you spent some time with U40 now known as a Young Builders Network. Um, kind of give us an inside scoop on if that was important to your career and um, yeah, your time oh yeah, of course. I spent a lot of time with the uh, U40, as it was called back then. Uh, basically, as soon as I came over to work, uh, my current position as a broker in Victoria got heavily involved. Um, it wasn't quite as formal as it is now, but um, you know, mainly it involved meeting at uh, pub um, and you know, talking about uh, a community project. But you know, we did some, some good work. Um, it was just a great opportunity to meet, meet and get to know everybody in the industry. And what year did you come over? I came over in t 2003. Oh, okay. So you, you joined so, YBN soon right after Soon after that. I, okay. I, I can't quite recall when it was started, but. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was near the beginning, that's for sure. <laughs> One of the founding fathers. For sure. Uh, but could I ask you, you've been a huge supporter uh, and advocate for uh, VICA YBN and uh, um, why do you feel this group's important or has an important role to play? It's, it's such a convenient entry point for the, um, obviously, the younger members of our companies uh, in the construction industry. Um, it's, you know, arguably the one of the main social arms of VICA now. Um, it's, it's a well-run organization, and it, it, it's a great way to prepare for the board, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's 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 sort of like a mini vicar, I guess, for younger people. Like a mini board, is what you're saying. Yeah, all yeah. in all. Yeah. Well, I think it's also we we need to point out that who's the chair of the Young Builders Network? That's me. Uh, let's see. And what company do you work for? Wilson and Beck. And the chair of the Vicar board. That's James. Works for. That's pretty Wilson impressive. Both at the same time. <laughs> I, I will add to that. <laughs> My uh, partner and. Uh, Former boss and mentor Carol Bissett was also the uh, Vicka chair. That's incredible. So. Good for you guys. That's that's outstanding. Obviously, huge supporters of Vicka. Um, so, so would you recommend a young uh, aspiring construction professional to attend YBN uh, YBN events, and, and if so, why? A hundred percent. It's uh, an incredible way to associate with the top people in the industry, whether they're members of uh, YBN or just Vicka in general. Incredible learning opportunity, incredible networking opportunity, but more than that, it's just good people. Yeah, you know, I'm friends. You know, I'm friends with so many of the people uh, that I met in my time at, at U40. Excuse me for using the old term, but yeah, no, I I, I can uh, relate to that as well. Like all my close friends are from uh, YBN, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great for one's career. Now you had a very amazing, outstanding. Uh, Awards opening I thought, speech. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. Last yeah. year. Yeah. How, did, how did you come up with such a, a unique uh, <laughs> film there? Just a, you know, I had a, a dream about it one night. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so I, I guess for those that don't know out there, there was a, 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 an introduction video for the, uh, for the Vicar Awards this year, and we'll have to probably put a link to it Absolutely. in, in, the, uh, in the comments. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that we could see this, but... Uh, I mean, it's something to behold. I mean, that mankini. <laughs> uh, it was edited belly button up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good look. I, I think it was great. It, it was uh, it was good to see uh, some people kind of trying to have some fun, uh, especially during these times, because uh, 
you know, it's, it's hard to, to kind of be able to have that much fun. So it was good to see uh, somebody put something out there, uh, kind of make it, making fun of themselves a little bit to make everybody laugh. It was cool. That was the idea. Um, obviously, without the uh, in-person event, I wanted to do something more than the dry, um, you know, the written speech. So I just uh, wanted to make an ass of myself. And uh, <laughs> I just wish I had prepared a bit more so I didn't have to keep looking at my notes. Couldn't tell. <laughs> I you couldn't know, tell. No, you couldn't tell. No, not at no all. I thought it was great. Yeah. It was very good. you got to check it out. Yeah, that was great. And all the trophies. So we, uh, I remember <laughs> you know, we had to make some calls and we phoned uh, Out of the Blue Designs. And it's like, hey, do you have any trophies, like demo <laughs> trophies that we can borrow? And they're like, no, we don't do that. We don't do trophies. We don't have any demos. But I sure have a lot of softball trophies. So I, I forward the information off to James. He comes back and he's like hauling at like two boxes full of these trophies. Dusty trophies. Dusty That's trophies from That's women's great. softball and fastball. And Shout out to Out of the Blue Designs. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so what was your first job? And what was the most important thing you learned from working it? First job, wow. Well, when I was 16, I worked at a gas station. And uh, I believe I got fired. No, I didn't get fired from that job. I, uh, I, think, <laughs> I, I, that, I think I learned to, be, <laughs> to work hard because I don't think I worked that hard at the time. I remember, um, it wasn't that I didn't work hard, it just wasn't that hard of a job. I remember uh, there were these kids that would uh, ride their bike around the gas station, I think they were five or six, and I uh, used to pay them in recyclable cans to do stunt shows in the back. <laughs> they did some dangerous things, that's for sure. And what was the job you worked at that you got fired? Oh, I worked at Wharfside, um, I think later that year and I uh, actually got fired for not smiling enough but <laughs> in fairness I had gotten in a car accident so I had terrible back and neck pain and I couldn't do any sports so I wasn't actually quite a bit of pain oh, man. and they fired you for, for that but I learned you know to smile more often so. <laughs> smile can go a long way uh, what to the, to that movie Office Space where she doesn't wear enough badges of cheer? <laughs> badges of cheer. Flair. 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 That's what flair. Yeah, yeah, flair. Yeah, flair. You didn't have enough flair. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have the minimum amount of smiling. We need you to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And then, sorry, you, what, what age was that? 16 as well. 16? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when did you make your uh, move to Cornell and, and give us maybe an uh, inside scoop on how you got to an Ivy League school? I, uh, in grade 11, I think that's when you apply for colleges. Or, well, that's uh, why I didn't get in anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I was applying in grade 12. What do you mean? I just graduated. I, I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I, um, I always, I, need, I knew I needed to reinvent myself and get away. And, you know, even the Canadian universities, a lot of my colleagues, or my, a lot of my schoolmates were going there. Um, one of my good friends was a top squash recruit in uh, Canada. And he had Harvard and Princeton fighting over him. And he, he once mentioned to me, you know, you should consider going to uh, one of these schools in the States. You know, you pretty much guaranteed a high-paying job, you know, in Wall Street after you're done. So coincidentally, one of my parents' friends uh, was a big Cornell fan. And um, so I applied to Cornell, Harvard, and Princeton, uh, along with all the other Canadian schools. My mom secretly 
applied to UVic for me. <laughs> I didn't get a scholarship. But, and I didn't get into Harvard or Princeton, but I did get into Cornell. Good and um, it was just such a different move. I uh, literally, without even visiting there, I just one day at the end of August got brought two duffel bags with me and headed off by myself. Good for you. It was amazing. Wow. It's <laughs> the freest crazy. time of my life, for sure. That's amazing. So, and then um, how was that? Can you tell us a little bit about your experience, a big, big adjustment? Um, it was a big adjustment, but it was a welcome adjustment. It was, um, it was sort of the, the last sort of glory days of U.S. college life before things started clamping down. Huh? So Cornell is in a small, t beautiful town in upstate New York, you know, rolling hills, views of the Finger Lakes. Um, wow. Tree, just, just packed with trees. Um, and it's, uh, I think, one of the older schools in the U.S. But the campus was, it was in insane. And it had the largest, uh, it has, I still think, the largest Greek system in the world. So most people think of fraternities as some dusty little, you know, gross apartment, you know, house. These were like 100-year-old castles. Wow. <laughs> and there were, hundred, there were 45 of them around campus. Um, I think less sororities, but so it had a very cool atmosphere for sure. Were you part of any of those? Uh, for yeah, most people did, like that was the social arm of the school, and there was no enforcement of any drinking if oh. you were in a fraternity. Like as I said, the glory days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what what's the fraternity you're part of? It's sort of irrelevant. It's called Psi Upsilon, but it, it doesn't it it just it depends on the college. Like each college has different universities. See, when I think of fraternities, I think of Animal House. Was it, yeah, was we it, had a bit of that. Yeah. Or old we school. were the we were old school. Oh, old boy, school too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm aging myself I mean, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I could talk for about twenty hours about some of the things that happened, oh, but it was it was honestly it was better than anything I've seen in the movies <laughs> and crazier. So, so do you have like a G-rated story you can tell us? Putting you on the spot well, here. I, I'm not, I have an informal NDA about some of the things we did. Um, yeah, I bet. I'll, so I... Sam, earmuffs? <laughs> no, no, not that kind of. Oh, you know, you're not supposed to tell the secrets, right? Ah. Um, so the house I picked was quite a wealthy fraternity. And, and what was ironic is it cost the same as living in dorm. So it, it, it didn't matter. Um, we had a full-time professional chef. And the, the alumni were donated a squash court a few years before I got there. Brand new squash court. Amazing. They built it in the middle of the house. Um, and we used that when he um, did your pledging. So he would, uh, you know, get call, call the pledges when I was pledged for one year in the middle of the night. You'd have to line up at the squash court and all the brothers would stand on the landing and they'd ask you, you know, historical questions about the fraternity or the, or the university. And it was quite a pressure, pressure cooker. And if you screwed up, you had to collect cans around the uh, university in the middle of the night. So. <laughs> but I will tell you a story about one of the houses that I wasn't a part of and it was considered the drug house. Um, true story. During pledging, they duct taped their pledges 20 feet high up on a ceiling and a crucifix and gave them LSD. <laughs> People now pay to do that. <laughs> and then there was the football house that did like, that were a little more violent. And the, yeah, it, it, it had it all. It was just like the movies. And what did you graduate with? I had a Bachelor of Arts and a major in economics, so pretty useless all in all. <laughs> 
I don't think the economics thing is useless. Oh, it was completely useless. <laughs> okay, it's not enough. business. It's economics. It's graphs. And... So, so how did you go from the economics degree or, or uh, major in economics, excuse me, uh, into insurance and bonding? That's a really good question. Uh, I graduated in 98 and actually did quite well. So I had... Uh, an option to basically work in investment banking in San Fran. Um, but frankly, you know, I met during the interviews, you have these, at Cornell, the last semester, you have, all, you have these interview weeks where all these big companies from New York and across the states come and interview you. Um, everybody I met in investment banking, they were 30 year olds that looked like they were 60. And, you know, the interview was them basically them warning me how shitty the next 10 years of my life would be. Hundred hour weeks. They look at my resume and say, you know, you can't work out when you're when you're working. Or just so you know, this balance you have, like <laughs> you can throw that out the window. And I got scared last minute. And I had I had the final round interview in San Fran, and they had you know they were going to send me the flight, the tickets, and I had a fraternity connection, so it was pretty much guaranteed. And I got nervous, and I said. I want to enjoy my 20s, so I, we drove to New Orleans for Mardi Gras instead. Not a boy. <laughs> Probably the best decision you made. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's tough to see some of my, not tough, but a lot of the you know, kids I tutored, you know, sold their, you know, started companies and sold them for $50, $60 million, but definitely they didn't have the 20s that I did. <laughs> right on. So then, and then what? So you, uh, you passed on that, you went to Mardi Gras, and now you got to get a job at a university, so what was next? Uh, this is a bit dry, but I uh, I had an opportunity to work for some nonprofit economic health organization that worked in the Caribbean or, or something like that, and I uh, I guess it didn't pay that much. I would have basically been living off the street in Washington D.C. So I I uh, just came back to Victoria and decided to uh, try and find work in Western Canada. Now, 1998 was not the best year to find work in Western Canada. <laughs> So, but it worked out. Um, uh, basically, I shotgun resumes out for about a year and a half, did odd jobs, a year, less than a year, and I answered a call for a company called London Guarantee, something to do with insurance. I had no clue. I barely showed up for the interview, but I went in Vancouver, and it turned out to be bonding or surety, and uh, it was a fluke, but it worked out quite well. Okay, so for those that don't know, so you're, you, you've got a job bonding and surety. What is bonding? Bonding is essentially a credit product. It's nothing to do with insurance, although it is sold by insurance brokers. It's basically a, uh, a financial institution provides performance and payment guarantees to um, the owners of projects on behalf of their clients, the construction entities. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think so. Why should people care about this? Well, it's very, it's necessary for almost any publicly funded job in North America. Um, and um, it's basically a way for public entities to ensure that the contractor performing their work or bidding their project is not going to walk away without the, with the contract unfinished and will pay all their subtrades and suppliers. So it protects taxpayer dollars. It's actually legally required in the States, so it's even bigger in the U.S. So there's, we're going to have some listeners that are sitting there going, you know, they're pr probably listening because they want to know more about bonding. And uh, number one question uh, I'm assuming you get, because I, I get it all the time, is, is, is how can I qualify? How do I get bonding? That's the number one question. How do I get bonding? Every, all the estimators see it. They, they, they want those jobs. They, they want to at least try to bid on them. 
how can a company get bonding? So it, it's a credit product. It's more like getting a mortgage than applying for insurance. Um, essentially, bonding underwriters, which is what I was trained in, you, you're trained to, to totally tear apart the company and figure out what it's worth. Mainly account through the accounting process, you learn how to ensure that accountants are actually accurate in their work. Um, so they're going to look at the financial statements of the company and figure out what is this company truly worth? How much liquidity does it have? How much net worth does it have? It's going to verify numbers through the receivables, payables, listing and credit report, uh, work on hand report, which is super important, uh, which is a snapshot of work on hand at any given time. They're going to look for resumes, um, owner references. Uh, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite an extensive process, um, but you, know, you, you need to qualify financially. You need to have a track record of profit, and uh, you need to basically have the ability to properly account for your company at any given quarter. That makes sense? Uh -huh. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and, and estimators, project managers that are, uh, like I said, curious about how their company can get to that point uh, and get a facility set up, and I think you explained it well. Hey, now, I, I don't know if I got this correct, James, but you're the now the managing director of Wilson, Wilson M. Back, is that correct? That's correct. How'd you get there? How'd you get from your start and then all of a sudden get to be the managing director? Can you share that with us? Well, I guess Highlights. I, I got to watch how deep in de detail I get here. <laughs> uh, so in, in 03, I took a job with a company called Jardine Lloyd Thompson, sort of like a mid-level mid boutique brokerage. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace. With a head office in London. Um, small but specialized in construction, especially surety uh, in Canada. They, you know, back then, 03, when I worked there, JLT was in pretty much the best brokers I dealt with. So you got to realize when I was a bonding underwriter, I sold my product to construction companies through a broker. So I'm a broker now. Uh -huh. So I moved down the food chain. Gotcha. But um, JLT was, you know, the best brokers that I dealt with. And, um, you know, they just were the most timely and the most, most knowledgeable. So when I had the opportunity to work for... JLT in Victoria, my hometown, it was sort of like a double win. Um, so I worked from them, uh, started working for them in 03, and uh, Carol Bissett was, and Peter Pringle, Pringle they were my managers. Um, basically, haven't left their side, but we had a few name changes. A couple of years ago, a much larger insurance brokerage called Marsh, um, they bought JLT. And I won't get into detail, but about a year and a half ago, we bought our um, clients and uh, employees from Marsh, essentially, and partnered with Wilson Beck, who's a very strong construction firm, insurance brokerage out of Burnaby, but they're all over, all over BC and Alberta now. And then how many people work at your office? 23, I believe. Okay. So I remember a time we were traveling, we were in Edmonton, and we were uh, talking to a few clients, and drumming up some new business and we're driving around and I looked at James and I said, you know, what's stopping, what's stopping you from being a, an owner? And he goes, oh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. What's, I said, what's the difference between you and that last guy we just met with? And I was, oh, I don't know, that guy's so smart. Now we're sitting here today and he's the managing director. So kudos Congratulations. to you, James. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm super proud of you as a colleague and as a friend. Well, thank you. So that's awesome. I just want to note that the reason I didn't do it earlier is I couldn't imagine leaving the, the team I worked with. So, Yeah, 
No, it's we, we have an incredible team. That's sometimes That's the hardest part about moving on in, in your career is that you like the people you're around so much and it's, it's hard to, to say like oh maybe I need to go somewhere I else didn't want to compete with them to be honest yeah. oh, there you go. That works and too. it just worked out that we all left together so <laughs> it worked out right <laughs> yeah could I ask you uh, work at managing director like how, how many hours for for people that are you know aspiring and, and and on their path to what they view as success how many hours a week do you put in I, I think it's a better question is how many hours a week did I put in when I was building up well, let's my answer client one, base? Sure. Yeah. wasn't terrible. It, it was probably like an 8. You know, I'd wake up at uh, 6.30, clear my inbox quickly, get out of, you know, t 20 minutes, get out of bed, you know, have a shake, get to work around 8. I'd probably work about 8 till 6, but it wasn't the hours. It was the intensity of the hours. I mean, okay. there was no time wasted, highly, highly efficient. Um, just task oriented. So probably, you know, nine and a half hours. I hopefully find time to work out in the middle of the day. But you know, nine, 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 ten hours of like 100% effort work. How, how do you keep yourself focused for that long? Like I, I have a real hard time keeping Good myself question. focused. So like, how, how do you go from eight till six and, and be able to focus that hard? Honestly, my uh, fitness and diet is there's no I don't uh, there's no other way I could have do, done it. Um, I uh, eat pretty much every three hours, you know, and I drink a lot of espresso. <laughs> so it's pretty much like a, it's, I wait, I, I, I've tried fasting. I, I, my metabolism is insane. So I, I wake up, eat, and I eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have a water and a coffee. And then three and a half hours later, I'll eat have a water and a coffee and so forth. Okay. So like it sounds like you're taking somewhat regular breaks but these are breaks to keep yourself caffeinated absolutely yourself. and yeah. and for instance i sign a lot of bonds so yeah. I, I don't just if i have 10 bonds to sign my desk i'll sign one take it to the front so i'm walking a lot too oh, okay. during the day i got a headset i'm parking in the office while i'm walking around and okay like that. Oh, cool and helen okay you were talking about your diet there uh, we all want to know what's what's the diet. If it, for the listeners that haven't met James, you will meet him one day once we're back to uh, non-restricted, no events when we're all at the luncheon, and you will you'll know why we're asking what his diet is because he is shredded. Well, wow. how do you get to this level, Chuck Norris? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty extreme guy, so if I set a rule for myself, I can pretty much follow it for 30 years without exception. Um, it's, it's easier for me because when I eat certain foods, it just makes me feel like crap so or tired, and I hate being tired. So it's more of a selfish thing. I just uh, I have to eat a certain way. Otherwise, I, I'm unhappy. It's not like, a, it's not like a obsessive compulsive or an, I don't worry. I just do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do, you, uh, how do you find that uh, the balance between parenthood and work? Um, it was a bit of a shock, I'm not going to lie, uh, the beginning, especially when we worked for uh, organizations that had a bit more infrastructure and hierarchy, and I'll leave it at that. Um, it's great now because basically we do not have any bureaucracy, so my work days are 100% spent on work, not um, forums and websites and conference calls. So. It's great now. My balance is fantastic. However, I will say that you know one of my clients gave me the, some good advice is when you do have a kid and when you have a demanding job, you sort of drop off all your hobbies and your kid and family become your hobby. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So that I mean, point. I don't really golf any that much anymore at all. And I, I used to play floorball hockey, for instance. And you know, now my you know, yeah, I work out four times a week, five times a week, but it's quick, and uh, it's not it's not a big time commitment. And you have one son. I do. Yeah, Connor. Yes, sir. How's he doing? He's great. How old is he? He's four. Turns four, turn four July 1st. What's, what are his hobbies right now? Wrestling with dad. and he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he likes video games with dad, and I'm the, I'm the guy that gets him to sleep every night. <laughs> so awesome. if, he's, if he's four, does that, uh, does that mean uh, kindergarten next year? Yes. Or, yeah. He's in a three-day-a-week okay. full-day yeah, preschool right now. Okay. Which is great. Is it uh, what, what kind of daycare system? It's uh, co-op. Oh, okay. No, okay. Uh, yeah, and it's more, it's more like preschool and oh, daycare, nice. but it's, I guess it's, it's all the same, right? Oh, cool. But it's quite structured, and he loves it. So just this morning, I was showing him the the YouTube clip best of Ralph Wiggum videos. <laughs> and we, we were both both laughing, <laughs> like d- deep, a deep boy. sort of stomach laugh. <laughs> My wife was just looking at me, saying it's not appropriate. <laughs> so I dress myself. <laughs> so you're showing him The Simpsons. Yeah, well, yeah. he had his shirt on backwards, and, yeah. and in fairness to my wife, she made the she made the Ralph Wiggum quote, "I dress myself." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, son, I need time for you to show to show you something. <laughs> yeah, you were more like, oh my god, I can't wait for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. No, that's actually something I, I shared with my dad watching The Simpsons and and uh, Ralph Wiggum. But I'm a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too good. Too good. So you you guys actually uh, went through an adoption. Uh, process. Um, I know that's something that's very dear to you uh, and Sam. Um, do you have any uh, kind of advice or, or uh, how did you guys kind of go through, like how was that process? It was pretty arduous to be honest. Um, we were very fortunate to have... Uh, now for the, the listeners like me, what is arduous? <laughs> do you have a dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> Difficult, hard, long... I guess I should have just said difficult. Um, it's uh, it was it was a lot of work, but um, had a great payoff, obviously. But we got lucky. I mean, uh, basically the agency that we used, we um, went bankrupt and uh, ended up taking a lot of pe- people's money with it. So um, it's a strange system. Um, it's. Government mandated, but you have to go through private intermediaries, these agencies. So although it's government mandated, the, the private agencies can actually go bankrupt. And two of the four have in BC, which has made it very difficult for the remaining parents. Um, so it was, yeah, we were on waiting in line for number two. And um, they went down, took our money, which was the least, oh, no. which was the least of the issues. Um, and I guess even though it's government regulated, they didn't bail anybody out. Oh, man. They seem to want to make it very difficult for people to adopt, which is strange. Before, you could just go through a lawyer, but now um, it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, they do their due diligence, and the people at the agency in Victoria, when it was open, were fantastic. They're just operating within the provincial rules. But, you know, they did, uh, we had pretty much had 10 months of home study where a, where a social worker would come talk to you for a couple hours and you know, ask questions, grill you a little bit to make sure you're going to be suitable parents. Obviously, it's, it's bit, funny. It's like, funny that anybody could be a parent, but, you know, if you want to adopt Yeah, like all, all I had to do was, well, 
you know, but I, I mean, like, I, I just, I just had to do, do that. Nobody came to ask me questions if I was going to be suited to be able to do this. I'm just kind of figuring it out as I go. I mean, I guess in some regards, it makes you uh, a lot more prepared than maybe. Well, plus you're, like you're actively choosing it too. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But it's no yeah. ups. So how, how long, how long did the process take from, from like a couple, of, a couple of years couple and we years. were fast. Oh, you were fast. Yeah, we were fast with paperwork and, and, um, we, got picked by a fabulous birth birth mom who we're still friends we're obviously good, good friends with now oh okay um, so uh, the birth in in canada the birth parent or birth mom picks the uh picks the, the adoptive okay parents. and so then the, the once you mother, get through the once you get through the scrutiny of the agency okay and the, and the birth mother is still involved absolutely in, oh wow that's yeah that's how that's how you're supposed to do it i guess that. i guess that's my ignorance right there i didn't yeah, know that okay yeah. cool. it used to be a hidden thing in the past which didn't work out too well in the end but okay okay yeah, so now it's just it's a known fact it's open and it's uh hmm. it's great we got lucky though yeah i mean it would be our we're, we genuinely love uh connor's birth mom and her sister and her parents so oh wow that's great okay and then so uh we've talked about uh, some things with your son connor and really appreciate you sharing that story with us and the personal story for sure um moving on to what you do in your spare time got your son you're busy you have time for i know you said la hobbies are less somebody told me you play video games that's that pretty much my release yeah. is it yeah me, me too so what, what god bless my wife for giving me my uh, i'll give you a sample work day i don't get up that early anymore um seven o'clock again look at my phone clear my emails that come in from london eight hours ahead um wake up my son or unless he's a for a few years he was awake before me <laughs> um and uh make smoothies which is my go-to diet item you know vitamix with every possible veggie you could imagine he's also canada's number one vitamix salesperson he's 100 <laughs> percent uh for how many uh sales he opens he closes 100 percent of them including me <laughs> shout out to vitamix <laughs> we should get them in as the sponsor. Okay, well, we got to, you know what, I'll throw that story in there. Sorry to interrupt, but we were at the Young Builders Network uh, build a dock, Camp Pringle. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. So I just had uh, surgery and I decided I'm going to still make it there. And at this Sinus time. surgery. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. sinus yeah. surgery. Yeah. Crazy that you were there. Yeah, so we were building a dock for Camp Pringle and James and Sam showed up. Brittany and I showed up. You guys were there. Mm -hmm. Were you? You weren't I there. was not there. Not I was able to make it that point. weekend, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so we were building a dock for Camp Pringle through HeroWorks, and James just kept going off about this vitamin. What's that going off? Oh, yeah. You're like, guaranteed, best texture, best speeds. It will crush anything. You were like getting into your like frozen cauliflower, and like Sam was behind you, like giving the nod, like, yeah, frozen cauliflower. <laughs> and I just, I remember for years, I just talked about this Vitamix, and, uh, yeah, for Christmas, Santa delivered a Vitamix because of James. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Back to your smoothie in the morning. Um, and, you know, for, for quite a few years, my kid would be, I'd be, I think starting when he was about one, I'd sit, sit him on the counter and he would help me. I would take the, the cherries out of the, the frozen fruit bag or the avocado. Um, yeah, so that was part of the routine. Now he sort of just sits on the couch and asks me to bring him a smoothie. <laughs> But yeah, so I'll make the smoothie again, water, coffee, got a nice espresso machine at home. Uh, go to the office, um, basically 
play a game where I try and clear every email I can and every task I have in my Franklin Covey day planner. Yes, I still have a day planner. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, f- hopefully get done by around five and hope on four of the five days, hopefully get to the, the gym for a quick 40 minute workout. Uh, come home around five, five thirty. Um, spend time with my wife and my son, have dinner, make sh- do some chores around the house, uh, put my kid to bed. He still likes being snuggy to sleep. Um, no, we didn't sleep train him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when he goes down, typically, you know, we also read him a book, except, and maybe have a shower uh, with him um, some of the time, or bath. Hopefully get him down by about eight. My wife gives me about an hour of gaming time, and then we would, you know, catch up and watch a few shows. That's pretty much the weekend. What, what games are you playing? Right now. I like I, I have a PS5, um, which not is not to brag or anything. <laughs> it, took, it took me a while to get that. I also have a PS5. Yeah. Right on. yeah, yeah. I won't tell you the story about how I uh, found it, but uh, <laughs> I like the uh, sort of the challenging open world games. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice was pretty much the most challenging game I ever played. God of War. I'm playing Days Gone now, which was quite an underrated. Sort of open world zombie game. This sounds way more complicated than my Mario Kart. Just so oh, everyone yeah. knows, Barkley's <laughs> making notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll yeah, give yeah, you the rundown, man. Right after, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, our lightning round. So, this is going to give everyone a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So, I'm going to explain the rules here. Uh, I'll read the questions out loud, and you will answer the first thing that comes to mind. You are able to answer pass, in which I will move on to the next question. James, how does that sound to you? Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. We're going to fire up the music here, and uh, we'll get her going. Ready? Here we go. What profession, other than your current one, would you like to attempt if you had the time? Uh, physicist. What profession would you not like to do? Lawyer. Who has been the most influential person in your life that you are not related to? Oh, wow. Um, I got to say Carol Bissett. What is your favorite snack? Uh, nut butter out of the jar. What cheers you up? Not better out of the no. uh, Working out. On a scale of 1 to 10. My son, my wife. How strict, good good cover. Uh, how strict, on a scale of 1 to 10, how strict are you as a parent? Three. On a scale of 1 to 10, how strict were your parents? Two. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, people who uh, check their phones in between sets at the gym. What personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Uh, oh, God. Probably being a bit emotional. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Morning person or evening person? Evening for sure. Favorite drink? Ooh, espresso. Netflix Prime or both? Both. Radio or podcast? Both. No, no radio, podcast. Paperback or audiobooks? Oh, I'm doing both right now, but I'm, tra- I'm transitioning to audiobooks. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Hockey. 
What's, uh, what's your hidden talent? Juggling. If you can change your name, what would it be? John Holmes. If uh, someone, someone were to play you in a movie, who would it be? <laughs> John Holmes? No, no, no. I'm not that if so, Who would it be? Oh, probably Wes Bentley. First career you dreamed of having as a kid, when you were a kid? Doctor. What qualities do you value in people with whom you spend time? How entertaining they are. Favorite movie? Forrest Gump. Favorite band? Oh, Massive Attack, probably. D dog or cat? I like both, but a cat, uh, dog wins slightly. W what are you afraid of? Death. Favorite restaurant in Victoria? El Terrazzo. Favorite sports team? Seattle Seahawks. Favorite TV show? Wow. Uh, there's too many. Seinfeld, I guess. Mountains or ocean? Both. Work-life balance, overrated or underrated? Overrated. What TV series are you currently watching? I uh, just finished Squid Game and trying to get my wife to watch Foundation with me. Something you say you'll do but you never will? Nothing. If uh, past lives are real, what was yours? Um, Boulangerie owner. I had to keep the timer going there because your answers were fabulous. Good job. And I do want to say extra that, extra points for you. Yeah, and I, and I, I want to say that I think you're the first person here that hasn't said past any questions, so you, you answer them. Thank you. I, I wanted to have a little follow up here. You uh, you said the one profession you wouldn't want to be is a lawyer. Your dad a lawyer? Yeah, he is. A, yeah. That's the best advice he ever gave me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. was. We wanted to open up the podcast. This is uh, James Clapp, not the Jim, uh, celebrity Jimmy, Jimmy Clapp <laughs> here in Victoria, because everyone seems to know him. Oh, everyone knows him. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, how much time do you spend on personal development each week, if any? How much? Physical and mental? Uh, sure, both. Yeah, yeah. Please. I, my routine now is about four forty-minute high-intensity workouts a week. And hopefully a yoga, although I've had less time for that, and a bike ride or a hike with the kid and wife. Uh, that's physical. Not as much, not mental. I don't really have a lot of time to read. I, uh, I guess I could instead of video games, but I prefer the release. I am listening to, when I drive, typically about half an hour a day, I'm listening to an, aud a book, uh, an audible book or YouTube. What are you listening to right now? A blend of um, sort of, I guess, like mind hacking stuff, um, a bit of spiritual stuff, and builders now, and the tools. Now I'm listening to some <laughs> phys physicists talk about, you know, the universe and black holes. I think they're all sort of interrelated. So okay, yeah. And how would you? Uh, how do you define success? How do I define success? Yeah. What does it mean to you? It, it's got to be being happy. On a minute-by-minute minute basis, just couldn't be any other way, in my opinion. I gotta say though, there's there's probably a correlation between the two of success and happiness, and success in a career and happiness. Like if you're if you're if you're shit at your job and things are going not even shit, you're just having a, a bad time in your career. You're probably not gonna be very happy. I should readjust that. Sorry, not happiness, fulfillment. Ah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're not always going to be happy in your life, um, but you can be fulfilled. 
I like so. That's I'm sort of happy that, that that was maybe what I would have said 15 years ago. What would you define the balance in that fulfillment between your personal and your professional career? It's got to depend on the person. Um, I was out of balance for a while, but it served a purpose. Mm-hmm. But were you happy? Yes. Yeah. So most of the time, I was really stressed. Yeah. I, I, I've known you for almost 10 years, and I've never seen you unhappy. Yeah, I mean... I've seen you stress, but you still were, like, super positive and Yeah. I have my moments. <laughs> I we all do. We I all have I'm, our moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't even get into me when I'm... Uh, okay, so everyone's familiar with a 40-hour work week. Do you think this is an accurate representation to be successful, or should we be more results-driven? I think it depends on the person. Some people aren't designed to be high performers. I mean, I think the, uh, I read a stat, the U.S. military looked at, you know, competence in a population and literally 10% of the population was too inept to be actually use- useful in society. So, I mean, th- and luckily the message was you need to take care of those people, not, <laughs> not ignore them. So, I mean, some people just aren't going to be result, aren't going to be that, successful in, in what they do so I, I think it depends on the person so for the the young people that are, are listening to this and, and are result driven and, and success want to be successful uh, how many hours do you think a young person focused on their career should be putting in each week as many as it takes to stand out um, you know my advice to them would be just just work harder than other people uh, but don't work longer necessarily um, I remember, uh, you know, when I was looking to get into investment banking and a lot of my friends, and I turned down that opportunity, a lot of my friends went into that, you know, it was a 100-hour work week. They weren't working the whole time. They were, and you didn't, the, half the reason they didn't leave early is they didn't want to, you know, be, get talked about the next day for leaving before 10, 8 p.m. or something. There's no way you could be efficient for that long. So, I mean... You don't necessarily have to work that, 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 that many hours, but if you're able to produce and say you're in sales for 12 straight hours a day, then do it for five, 10 years. I guarantee you'll be set for the rest of your life if you're good at it. So I think that's something that you brought up a few times, like you uh, just, uh, or at least I'm picking up on, you said that you put the hours in, it served a purpose, and you just touched on it again. And I think going to the, the younger folks that are uh, coming up, we always get the questions about work-life balance. So uh, am I correct in reading from you? It's put that time in when you're younger, put in the extra hours to set yourself up. Is that absolutely accurate? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you're kind of saying, uh, you know, work smart, not hard, too. Like no, work hard, hard and smart, <laughs> I would say. Okay. Um, definitely uh, be focused. You know, work is about work. Don't try not to get distracted. And I've had my, I had my years where I got distracted for sure. Um, but uh, work as hard as you can, as smart as you can. And, and uh, you know thyself, I guess. If you're not that good at something, know it. Mm-hmm. If, and if you're not, if you're an average, you know, intelligence, that's okay, you know. Don't have such high expectations for yourself. He's looking at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, would you agree that, um, like, I I hear a lot of people say, like, you you have to know your strengths and you have to know your weaknesses. And when you know your weaknesses, you know you can find people that have those as strengths to build around you. Would you you agree as that, as as kind of a a way to, to help you work hard at the things you are good at? Absolutely. And that would, that would lead me to my next piece of advice is, you know, obviously this is a, 
cliche, but you know, associate with people that are better than you. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. For the per people you're associating with, that would mean they're associating with people that are worse than them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of leads into uh, you know a, a question I think we had for you, which is um, sorry, two pieces of advice. If you were to look back to you and you just gave one, um, if you were to look back at yourself at, at James Clapp at 25, what two pieces of advice would you give younger James? Uh, don't binge drink as much as <laughs> as, you, as you are. <laughs> There's one, and you got one more. And just thinking of the first one. No, I mean, I, 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 I guess I didn't. I know now. I didn't know as much then as I thought I did. So, I mean, it takes a while to build up experience and to get really good at something. So, I guess that that, would, that helps me come up with this. Um, be patient. You know, you're 25. You know, it's. You're gonna take a while. It's gonna take a while for you to be really, truly great at what you do. I mean, unless you're, you know. I think I think that's honestly really great advice because I, like so many uh, people uh, of the younger generation are coming up these days, seeing the the Mark Zuckerbergs and the and the the people with these startup companies and and creating these YouTubers, things, YouTubers and things like that. They're creating mass empires for themselves by the time they're 21. And uh, the vast majority of us are not going to make it there. And the time. vast majority of them will fail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and we, we all know it. someone who's, who's trying to make it big on Instagram, trying to be an influencer. And, you know, uh, and you see those how-to videos. Oh, you just, you know, you want to be rich. You want to live like this every yeah. day. Yeah, I, it's, it's a tough world. But, yeah, patience, super important, super important. I would also say that I think people are overly long-term goal focused um i i truly believe that goals are irrelevant unless you, you do the every hour by hour you're you're behaving in a way that helps you get there mm -hmm. so you know my secret to success i guess was you know getting ev treating every day like a separate goal and, and that was all i really worried about and i tried to get through all my tasks as best as i could in that day and achieve as much as i could in that day and you know when you do that for 15 years, look where you're at, sort of thing. Instead of dreaming about where you want to be in 15 years, you know, do the steps every minute that it takes to to win that day. I mean, an example is, you know, I talk to people about dying. They're like, I'm going to start working out next Monday. I'm, I wrote down, you know, it's a goal of mine. Like, why just go now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Win. Do succeed now. Tomorrow, who knows what's going to happen Monday? Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, what are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned in business? Ugh, lessons in business. I don't know. That's a pretty generic question. Who's taking a shot at the, the, okay. the, <laughs> the guy that wrote the questions? <laughs> uh, was that you or me? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would say that you don't. From what I've learned, you don't learn anything in school <laughs> that's very applicable. You learn how to learn. You learn how to work hard, though. You learn how to learn, and you learn how to work hard. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, although I work hard, way harder now than I ever did in school. It's funny, though. It's funny how uh, when you're in university, you think, oh, my God, this is just ridiculous. I've got homework. I've got six exams, whatever, right? And then you get into the real world. Like, I have a cousin right now. She's 19. She's going to university. And she, I, I just listened to her for about 25 minutes just go off complaining, just nonstop. It's, it's and, and about school and all that stuff. And I'm just so happy and proud of her that she's going through it. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I, I don't want to say anything, but I'm like, wait till you get to, wait till you get <laughs> to the actual <laughs> workplace. 
It, it depends. Did. I mean, some uh, programs are harder than others, but I, I, yeah. yeah but at, least, jobs, at least school sure. always has, like, the exam at the end and tells cool. you how you did. At, at the end of every year, <laughs> nobody nobody tells you, yeah, that was a, that was about 84%. No, nobody tells you that. Sure. <laughs> well, in your world, if the building's been built well, are, and enough. it's safe, <laughs> you get 100%. I guess you got your fair. balance sheet to look at. But, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, can, and can I ask you something about, uh, I wanted to bring up Carol, because I've known conversations with AJ, he talks very highly of her, and when we asked the question in the lightning round of who you admire the most outside of your family, you said Carol. So I, I don't know her personally. She sounds like an amazing person. Um, could you elaborate a little? So she was one of the few brokers that did surety and insurance. Surety is another word for bonding. So when I came out of the bonding world, she was my inspiration to learn insurance. And I, I wouldn't have been anywhere near where I was today without learning that. So um, not only did she mentor me in that, but she you know, showed it was possible. Um, I guess uh, with her, her style of management wasn't that she was better or higher up on the chart. She was just there to support. And I remember once, you know, she said, uh, you know, my job as manager is to, you know, make sure that my salespeople do well. And if, if you do so well that you do a little bit better than me, that means I'm doing my job. And well, that, is, that is a rare <laughs> piece of wow. advice. Yeah. I, I, I had other male managers that, you know, would give me the, oh, you can't get promoted yet. That was sooner than I did. And now we're partners. <laughs> so, so, and I always felt like a partner. I recognize, I still call her boss. So I'm not, I'm like, I recognize that, that, that she was more experienced than me, but, you know, she never treated me like uh, someone. And, and, and honestly, I feel the same way about AJ. I, I, it's hard to, I don't feel like a boss. I feel like these are all my colleagues and there's no hierarchy at all. If anything, I'm there to serve. Well, that's not great. the other way around. Mm -hmm. Well, we better be careful. We don't want to build up AJ's ego. He might not be able to get out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to build up AJ's ego. <laughs> what do you think I've been doing for the last three or four years? Uh. No, I just said, and I wanted to ask that. It's not often you hear people talk as glowingly as both of you do about her. So I just thought I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. You know, the big thing is she was the first female boss I ever had. And I think it was such a breath of fresh air yeah. to not have that ego. Um, but there, she's not she have any, a healthy ego, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was great and it's great still. I hope she never retires. Absolutely. I agree. Um, well, thank you so much, James. Really appreciate your time. Uh, really appreciate all your, your kind words and all your advice. Uh, really appreciate you taking some time out of your crazy work day. Uh, I get to see it every day. Uh, so this means a lot to us here in the room. Uh, to the Young Builders Network and, and all of our listeners. Uh, also want to just a quick shout out to our sponsors, Herald Engineering, Wilson M. Beck, and Blue Anvil Labor Leasing. Uh, thanks so much. We have uh, Rory, the CEO of VICA, coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Uh, please subscribe. Thank you, James. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, eh?